and uh, good afternoon to uh, listeners. This is the um, round three quarterfinals recap episode of the Gwinnett Sports Podcast at the Gwinnett Daily Post. I'm Taylor Dimon alongside David Friedlander. We were both covering quarterfinals football games in the area last night, both uh, Region 8 games for us, as a matter of fact, but uh, just by coincidence, but... We had six teams going into it, and I kind of talked to Will at the end of last week's episode previewing the games that this week was technically the first week where we might not have any football just because right. none of the Gwinnett teams were playing each other. So if something had happened that all six teams had lost, uh, that would have been that would have been the case. We would not be talking about football. We would be just re- kind of recapping the season as a whole this week instead of uh, doing a brief look ahead to now we have three games. I think it's safe to say that, at least with regards to a few of the games, that we're pretty surprised about a few of the results, uh, wins and losses, I guess I would, uh, is probably fair to say. But how it worked out is Decula and Lanier, uh, both from Region 8, Class 6A, they're playing for spots in the uh, state finals, which we, as the Atlanta United, Atlanta United result came out on Sunday when the five strikes have a 3-0 lead in the uh, aggregate goal uh, count over New York Red Bulls. It looks pretty good for Atlanta United to actually play a match on December 8th. Uh, that's Saturday. They would host the MLS Cup, which means that state football likely going to get pushed. Uh, but before we get ahead of ourselves there, uh, you know, Dequila and Lanier are in it in Class 6A, but in Class 7A, Archer uh, got past uh, Tiff County in overtime. And uh, they're going to get another Region 1 opponent, probably the hands-on or just <laughs> without a doubt state uh, title favorite right now, Colquitt County, which uh, we'll get to in a little bit, but really crushed North Gwinnett, which yeah. was one of our most consistent teams in the county all year. Yeah, that was that was the, it wasn't necessarily surprising that Colquitt won that game. I mean, after all, they are, you know... As, as talented as they come, but that, that they they rolled just rolled them so badly that that was the big shock right there. Yeah, let's uh, get to just kind of start recapping games here. And I had Archer this week, and um, I think I love the at-large bid scenario in uh, GHSA uh, football, just because. It adds sort of a wild card in, and the past couple of years we've seen the at-large bid teams go pretty far. In fact, might be the quarterfinals both years, or did North play Marietta in the semifinals last year? That was, I believe, the quarterfinals. I think they didn't they play McEachern in the semis last year. I think that was because they had to go on the road probably for that. Mm, were they? they were no, 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 that was at home. They were at home. I think most of the. I think so. Uh, I seem to remember that game being at, at in Swanee, but. Well, either way, the, at, the at-large bid, the path came through Gwinnett County yeah. both years. And both years, the at-large bid kind of proved that, you know, put me in a different region, and I might I might win. And, well, in, in Tiff's case, the only reason, you know, this year, the only reason they were the at-large because of the fact that they came from a four-team region. I mean, let's face it, they would, they would be a playoff team in most regions, uh, right. the way they were situated this year anyway. Um, and uh, it's kind of a similar case for Marietta last year, which we know – uh, was, you know, seemed kind of equally dominant at times this year, but had some up and downs and a lot of... A lot of off-the-field off stuff, the field too. stuff from earlier in the season. But uh, in any case, Tiff County, uh, or Archer tops Tiff County 16-10. to 10. It was an overtime game in which uh, the really 
you know, a touchdown for Archer. Conditions, I think, in general across the state were pretty rough just because cold, uh, rainy, harder in some parts. Drizzle, yeah. Harder in some parts than others for... And it was windy, too. Yeah, there was a good amount of wind. And uh, for Archer, it was mostly a mist, but I know in some parts of the state it was a pretty steady rain, actually. And uh, But that, you know... You're going to be hard pressed to find uh, people, uh, coaches, or players that make excuses for that kind of stuff. But uh, you will kind of hear from Coach Andy Dyer that it made passing a little bit tough, or I mean, at least made it tough to, for teams to kind of sit back and pass. And you saw Archer and Tift uh, both kind of struggle. But ironically, the biggest play of the game offensively for Archer was uh, about a 26 yard pass uh, to, from Carter Peavy to Andrew Booth that sets up a. Uh, Touchdown run for Samashe Banks two plays later. That was the only touchdown Archer had in regulation. Um, then uh, goes to overtime, kind of a weird play where Tift County quarterback Patrick Felton kind of throws into no man's land, and uh, Edwin Mangual is over there for Archer for an interception. Uh, he had one in, I believe, the game against Grayson, too, uh, intercept, an interception in that game. But um, a young guy who's kind of, you know, gives Archer a lot to look forward to in that secondary especially with uh, Jalen Phillips and Andrew Booth kind of on their way right. out now. But um, he gets that interception and then just kind of completely took it out of Tift from that point. And, you know, a field goal wins the game right. at, at that point. So Tift is really trying to go for, you know, a big play like a sack or tackle for loss. And Samaje Banks scores, um, I think, from the two-yard line. And, uh, and Archer kind of dances to a, another win. And they're going to play Colquitt now in the semis yeah. this week. When you look at I, I... – Go back to what a lot of coaches have said to me over my like thirty odd years covering high school football. Here, they keep saying it, and it, really, it's it's still rings true to this day. When you get to playoff time, the biggest things: defense, running game. You can do both, particularly on a night uh, like Friday when the field, the weather and field conditions aren't that great. I, if Archer's field was anything like you know Grayson's was this week or Norcross a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty chewed up, so you've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to, and particularly stop the run also on defense. Archer's been able to do that pretty, you know, throughout its history, uh, although they've relied more on the pass this year, but they, they were able to do it just enough, and their defense has just been lights out throughout, you know, as long as I've been, you know, following them. So the formula was there for them this week, yeah, and, well. and they, they took advantage of it. You can read. We have follow-up stories on all three of our semifinal teams on the website uh, today. But uh, I wrote about Archer's defense. I mean, I talked to Colby Wooden after the game, and we'll hear from him in a few short minutes. But um, Archer is the probably the second-best defense in uh, the semifinals to the team that, that they're, they're going to play. And, uh, and you look back at lap, the, the two teams played each other, I believe it was in the semis also last year. Uh, or was it the quarters? Uh, there was a 12-7 to 7 game, if, if memory serves. It was just a, just a knockdown, drag out. You know, we'll get, I'm sure you'll get more into that when you do the preview here later in the week. But, yeah, that's, that, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, so let's hear from uh, Coach Andy Dyer. We'll hear a little bit from Kobe Wooden and uh, Samaje Banks, who scored that go-ahead touchdown. We start, you guys were just, it was tough to get yards on the ground, it seemed like, but you guys stayed consistent. Uh, just that balance just kind of important to you guys being able to finish 
in that last. Well, they're, they're they're really good up front, and um, you know they've got a they've got a great football team. We knew they did, and we knew we were going to struggle. And so the times we got drives going, we stalled, and and uh, a couple times it was a drop ball or a, or a this or that. But again, you know, chips looked down a couple times. You know, during the course of the game, right there, we fumbled right there. Uh, and, and gave them a short field, and you know our kids just kept they just kept playing, kept believing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a third and seven with you know, like less than three minutes left in the third quarter. Big third down conversion. It was a pass to uh, Andrew Booth from uh, Carter. Yeah, yeah, that, that flipped the that field. Play yeah, it was a scramble, and uh, you know, and and we were able to hitch and get back on top of it. And so, what a great you know great throwing catch right there to flip the field, give us some momentum to go down and score. How's, I mean, you were talking about Samaje being a mud back last week, and what's just his demeanor, his spirit? Yeah, I mean, tough yards. He's just steady, and uh, he's 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 a great back, and uh, and you know, just yeah. did a great job again tonight, and, and you know, he stepped up there at the end when we needed him the most. What it was like playing in this one? Uh, it was it was a t- it was a tough game. Uh, offense struggled a little bit, but we found our way. Defense held their own. You know, maintained, stopped them on when we needed to stop them. Got a critical interception to send it to op- to put, give us the ball back, which helped us win the game. Um, just what, how can you describe the mindset of the D line in this one? You guys came away with some big tackles for loss, big sacks late in this game. Uh, well, we just we just knew we had to come out and do what we do, which is line up and play fast and physical. Um, we knew that they were going to be a good a good offensive line. Two big touchdowns for you back to back weeks. You know, you guys went from blowing out teams to now you're beating them by one touchdown, one score. Has it gotten real how far the playoff run is for you guys now, just because of these close games? You said how really has it got? Yeah. Oh, it's getting real it's getting real hard, but um <laughs> we, we practice hard so it's all about execution, so we good. So uh yeah, stage is set for Archer now. Uh has to go to Colquitt and Moultrie and uh Moultrie's kind of like um the Bermuda Triangle, because we don't get to go down there often, but our teams come down there and they never come back the same. <laughs> well, there's there's that. Um, there's also a, a bit of an interesting oddity in that they have turf down there. So I mean, although a lot of team, a lot of other counties besides Gwinnett have that have it right now. So that I would imagine you know most Gwinnett teams will play at least a game or two on that. You know, on the fake grass here at some point in the season, but that that may be a factor. I mean, especially when you got a team as as with a lot of uh, speed and skill as, as Colquitt does, and Archer to uh, for that matter too. So, it'll be an interesting dynamic to that game. Uh, let's uh, talk about Dekula now. Just uh, pretty much a resounding win. Probably, I guess you could probably rank it as one of the biggest ones in program history, and uh, certainly in a long time. I think. <laughs> if not the biggest margin, one of the biggest margins of victory for a team against Valdosta. Yeah. And uh, that's saying something because Valdosta has uh, over a 1,000 games played or right. close to a 1,000 games, and, you know, we're talking about a really long history. And Dukula played one of the all-time games against Valdosta, uh, won that game 56-21. to 21. Um, It was just pretty decisive effort um, all around. Dukula got... Uh, 189 yards um, on the ground from uh, Trenton Jones yeah. or um, Efford from uh, Oh, uh, Efford, yeah, oh, Efford, Efford from yeah. Tequila, and then um, you know, think about good, pretty good rushing effort from Jalen Perry with five carries for 84 yards, and uh, he also had a catch for five yards. But uh, Trent Jenkins nine of nine for 17 passing with 161 yards, so. 
you know, Will writes about this uh, in his follow-up this week. The passing attack is really kind of adding for Dekula because that balance is Absolutely. You know, killing teams like Valdosta. But, it's, again, it's nice to know when you have to be able to run the football, you can. And we talked about, you know, Effort was was the was the big guy this week, but they still you know have Trenton Jones. They got more. They've got you know three or four different guys who can run the football when they have to. And, and again, it comes back to the old school playoff. You know, be able to run the football, stop the run. Dequeal has been able to do that. Yeah, let's hear from uh, Coach Clint Jenkins and uh, senior linebacker Joseph Lopez about uh, uh, that game against Valdosta. First, uh, just any general thoughts on, on the way it went. I mean, that score is going to be pretty eye-popping to people when they when they see it. Uh, you know, you can take nothing away from Valdosta. They're they're a great football team. They're they're. Uh, I told you a lot of scary scary guys on offense, and you could you could see it. Uh, but I mean, I, I I just love our kids so much. I, I got to give them so much credit uh, because it, you know. Valdosta would, you know, we'd kind of try to separate. Valdosta reel us right back in, mm-hmm. and, and uh, what we did was, I thought we 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 finished a second half and 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 put an exclamation mark on it, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah. uh, but just again, couldn't be prouder of our coaches and our kids, and and they they just never stopped playing. We we had some adversity and and, and fought through it, and uh, you know, and that's what we're preaching every day. So. What's it feel like to be in the final four? Oh, it, feels, together? it feels amazing, man. With the third team in school history to make it, it's just an accomplishment that we've been trying to get to. And it's just, we're going to keep on going forward. What was it like out there tonight, man? Put, put, it on, put it on score. I mean, to see 56 up there against, we against put, We just put our heart into it all and just didn't stop. The last couple of weeks, we didn't play very good the second half, but this time we finished it. We did good. What, what did you feel like uh, defensively against their passing attack? I mean, you kind of shut that down pretty much. What did you guys do well? With they just stayed focused all week and learned learn their plays very well and just they executed very well. So I think as we kind of look at our final three teams here, and we'll get to in here next, but uh, the path seems to be paved more for Dekula to make a finals berth than any of the other teams. Not to say that we're counting any, right. uh, uh, either Archer or Lanier out at this point, but you you know I don't take much stock into seeding at this point because if you're a good team, you're a good team to right. get to the semifinals. Northside Warner Robins is a three seed from the same region that we've seen Lanier beat, uh, Dekula beat um, at this point. And um, so that, you know, Region 1 and Region 8 in Class 6A are kind of emerging as the as the top regions because... Um, they're know, playing each other. <laughs> they're not playing each other again here. And, of course, the, you know, the, the one place that the seeding does matter in this case is the fact that Dekula gets to play at home. So they don't have to they don't have to get on a bus. They don't have to, you know, drive, you know, two and a half, three hours or whatever it is. They can sleep in their own beds that night. They can, you know, they can go through the regular routine. And uh, that might be worth, you know, you know, two or three points in a close game. That could be a difference. Yeah, the cool thing in this one was, uh, you know, Lanier or Tequila goes down 14 to 13 at halftime. Scores 16 points in the third quarter, 27 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and that was a 27-0 fourth quarter in which it really just kind of made a statement like, uh, Hi, Valdosta, we know that you're the 900-win-plus team. Uh, the one that, um, you know, is synonymous with winning in this state, but... Uh, make way because there's a lot of young, talented player athletes on Tequila. Yeah, and absolutely, and this isn't you know this isn't exactly Dekula's first rodeo either. Granted, they don't have the, the storied history that that Valdosta does, but it's a program that's been around for a while. It's had its share of success 
particularly you know in in the late 80s early 90s and then again the early 2000s and off and on you know throughout the 2000s so i mean like i said this is not their first rodeo so let's let's give that tequila program a little bit of credit there yeah let's go to the other side of the bracket now lanier when you talk about second half wins huge second half win for lanier and i think you talk about a little a little bit about this, just this comeback kid mentality that yeah. Lanier has right now. How many consecutive games? It's, it's five. I think the last five games they've been trailing at halftime. Four of them they won. The other one was against Decula. Uh, in fact, I, I talked with uh, with Corey Mobs about that for a story that's going to be going online here, you know, any minute now. And uh, it's it's he's. I lost to explain just what happens to these guys that in the second half they just you know they, they just dig down deep and every time they find themselves with the backs against the wall they find a way to fight back. Yeah, so Lanier down seven to zero in the first half uh, is a forty three yard run too for yeah. Coffee, which you kind of take that and look at those and kind of shrug at broken plays like that. But um, uh, you know a well blocked block play I'm sure too for a Coffee County team, mm-hmm. but. Lanier gets a fumble return uh, for a touchdown, kind of backed up coffee in its own to its mm-hmm. the shadow of its own goalpost there. And uh, you know, I use that. I, I hate to use that cliche because there were almost definitely zero shadows <laughs> this, this week uh, with that just that gloom and mist. But uh, Jake Ludwig gets a fumble return for ten yards in a TD uh, TD pass for Zach Calzada about roughly five minutes later, and then kind of seals it. Zach Calzada kind of proving that he's uh, not just a great pocket passer, but a really good athlete. He had a 17-yard yeah. run, and then Tosh Barnes just kind of delivers the dagger. 81-yard yeah. run with 4.45 left, and Lanier's, uh, Lanier's moving on. They're going to have to face the defending state champions here, Lee County. Yeah, and, the, and this is what we talked about, the opposite uh, of the Decula situation. They do have to get on a bus and, and go down there. But uh, Corey Mobs, uh, in talking with him, he's not really bothered by that. He... It's a good chance to, for them to get a little bonding in. Not that they really – I mean, one of the things that he talked about as being the, a big reason for all these comebacks is the fact that they are this, – this team does have a lot of team chemistry. But, it, you know, but when you're on a bus with that, like that for a couple hours, uh, you know, maybe it kind of brings everybody a little bit even closer together. And I get, that could pay dividends as well. So, you know, we'll see. But, um, yeah, this Lanier team is, is – is, one of the things we talked about with, with Corey as, as well, he said it reminds him a lot of, of the 2015 team, while not being as quite as talented because that that team was loaded with talent with you know Derek Brown and the Ashton Barnes and you know, and then and like four, three or four other Division One signees. Uh, he said one thing that they do share with that team is the fact that they uh, they just got a lot of cohesion, a lot of togetherness. They're a lot of willing to sacrifice for the team and a lot of camaraderie. So that, you know, that's one of the things that that's kind of carried them, and we'll see if that uh, carries them in all the way into the finals. Yeah, one thing I uh, sent out on Twitter after that, after I saw that final score, it was just uh, believe in Lanier like Lanier believes in Lanier <laughs> because uh, I think it was a clean sweep. We had coffee to win right. the game, and uh, probably almost a clean sweep the week before, and Lanier just finds a way to keep pulling mm-hmm. them out. And, you know, it's it kind of. I think it the, in this kind of case, getting counted out kind of fires up this Lanier team a little. Bit. Possibly, and, and the the thing about this Lanier team is is they've done it in a fa- in whatever fashion they needed to do it in. Like, look, two weeks ago the the Harrison game, they basically outscored Harrison uh, in a very offensive type battle, and then this 
we can, and they they just got you know down and physical and and just were able to grind it out. So I mean, it, it, that's a really good sign when you're able to adapt to whatever situation the game throws at you, and, and you find a way to win. Uh, let's shift now to um, we've got uh, three teams on the losing end now in this one. And first one in Class Seven A we'll talk about is Grace on a team that I don't want. I don't want to say struggling, but you know when we talk about teams that keep falling behind in first half. Right. You kind of think that there's one day that they're not going to be able to fight their way back out of it. That was yeah. the case with Grayson uh, against yeah. the Lounge. Lost 22-15. Even though uh, kind of, you know, tried to make a push at the end, but I think falling behind early really kind of Yeah, that's, I mean, it, what, well, that was, it, it's one of those things that they've been playing with fire for about at least three or four weeks now. Uh and they they did fall behind this time. It wasn't quite as 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 much because uh, they actually had a pretty good answer there with uh, with Phil Moff in the running game that got them a nine to three lead. They fell behind ten, and of course it was a mixed extra point that reason they were losing at halftime uh, instead of tied. But there was just it seemed like there was something missing with this team last last week, and. and you really had a hard time putting your finger, just putting one's finger on exactly what it was. The defense was certainly playing lights out. They 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 did their job. Uh, the offense had flashes, but they, they lacked a little consistency, uh, particularly in the passing game. And again, that's where the weather comes in, maybe a little bit. Plus, uh, I, I know uh, Jacory Jones had been banged up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Kenyon Jackson, the, their, <clears throat> one of their main receivers, has also been banged up. So. It just seemed like a lot of the, the the cards were stacked against them. It seemed like, and they they just couldn't couldn't come overcome it. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna take a minute to kind of lament this Grayson team. I think, um, you know, whether it plays into how this you know how this team fared this season at all. You know, there was certainly some shakiness at the beginning of the yeah. season when they lose to Bergen Catholic. At you know. A, a great team, no doubt. Uh, close games against Marietta and um, Westlake, teams that, you know, I think early in the season, everyone was sort of expecting them to win pretty handily. But lost pretty decisively to Colquitt. I mean, not a blowout by any means. They're, they've played Colquitt about as, I mean... Certainly than, better than anybody has. Closer than any <laughs> other team has this season, and that's part of the reason why we kind of put Colquitt on such a pedal store right now, but... Couldn't win that game. And then, you know, comes into region play and beats Archer pretty decisively. That was the kind of the Grayson team we thought, oh, wow, they jumped on Archer mistakes. That was the team we thought we'd see all year. But I think you can't say enough about a lot of guys on this team that are not going to be there next year. The Kenyatta Watsons, Owen Papos, Jalen Alexanders, uh, you know, some of those guys, you know, in the front, Wanya Morris was a, a big force for them. You can't really count out the fact that they lost a guy named Ronald Tompkins yes. to a season-ending injury in the very first game of the season. That's rough, but they had other guys step up in the running game. for a guy like Phil Moffat to sort of emerge, and now right. he's going to be there for two more right. years. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of disappointing when we kind of saw a team that we thought was going to, you know, really contend for a state title this year, and it was really kind of, you know, kind of struggled in the playoffs here. Well, I mean, the, the They've been an enigma all year, and you you kind of touched on it. One week they'll you know have that just baffling game against against Westlake, and just finally barely a, a way to put it away. They'll have another game where they just play lights out the first half against Marietta, and then almost let it, that one get away. Then they put it all together against Archer, 
and then they come to the stretch of the these last you know three four games in which they fall behind early and then suddenly wake up in the second half. It just just a lot of question marks with this team. And, and to address the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, um, you go back to the beginning of the season, and I know nobody wants to to talk about what did or what didn't happen there with uh, the so called complaints, whether or not there was you know a call for our coach. You know, Christian Honeycutt to be fired, or what, what, you know, the the practice situation. Nobody really outside of the the locker room really knows what happened. But there had to be some sort of lingering effect. You think? Yeah, it's you know, and even our guest picker Jeff Francoeur kind of says, you know, teams that sort of when there's that sort of uncertainty at the beginning of the season. It's hard to get that back. Who knows whose whose side? You know, we're not choosing sides here. Maybe stuff was practices were too brutal, or maybe it was a situation where players were sort of trying to coast into the season. We don't know, but definitely them not being on the same page is a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, and and it's a situation. I I brought this up with with Coach Honeycutt at the very beginning of the season. He you know talked about putting it behind him, and, and he made a good point in that once you actually get out in the field, a lot of that stuff does get put behind you. But in the back of one's mind, you have to think, you know, was there ever, were they ever really on the same page, like you said? And, and that, you can't help but wonder if it, it lingers and had any sort of effect, even a small one. Let's put it this way, too. You know, we got, we're at the end of the college football regular season. Some guys are announcing that they're foregoing their seasons or bowl games for the NFL draft. A lot of these guys knew where they were going to college before the season started. You got a guy like Ronald Tompkins who tore his ACL in the first week of the season. You know, who knows what his college football career is? I think he was a Nebraska commit, I believe. And yeah, I believe that's where they're yeah. supposed to. From what I've heard from people in the Grayson community, they're going to honor his scholarship right. if he does decide to keep going there. But you know, like, what do you like? You only have to risk things, and you know, that's what it takes to be a state champion yeah. if that's what you want. So right. maybe that's not what these guys wanted. Maybe it was looking forward to college football. Yeah. I don't want to generalize because I'm sure a lot of guys, you know. Guys I talked to, Kenyatta Watson, that kid wanted to win a state championship as much as anyone, uh, among others. But, you know, when you look at it, there's a lot to look forward to for college scholarships with these guys. And maybe that's yeah, what's more important to them this year. Maybe. I mean, and like you said, who can get into the, the minds of, of a 17, 18-year-old kid, much less, you know, 100 of them? So we may never really know exactly what the situation was there, but it's one of those things that I'm sure a lot of these kids are going to be doing, and certainly the coaches are going to be doing a lot of soul-searching in the offseason. So we'll we'll see how that kind of plays out. And, um, you know, it's just something to, to look back on and wonder what, what could have been. Yeah. Um, another kind of what could have been moment here was uh, Buford against Bainbridge at home. Uh, probably the pretty much the biggest upset I think that we've, witnessed this season the Bainbridge team that had uh, five losses kind right. of into the game, uh, you know, kind of really comes in unsuspecting against Buford. And, um, you know, Bainbridge head coach Jeff Littleton says to uh, our Scott Smith after the game, uh, no one gave us a chance. And uh, neither did I don't think did either they, one of us did. They have one. I mean, was there, was there you know, we have, a, there's some rankings out there that run, Millions of simulations for right. these playoff games. Was there a ten percent of those simulations that had Bainbridge in the semifinals? I'm curious. There was there was one because I know uh, doing some of the prep work of the last week's you know 
North Gwinnett Colquitt game, they, the North Gwinnett made a lot of, about being, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was Maxwell or whatever, uh, the, the service that had Colquitt as a 25-point favorite, and they that was something that they, that, they, they, they covered it. But it's, it's, I have to imagine, I didn't see what the, the, what the spread was for this game, but I had to imagine it was more than 25 points. Yeah. So, I mean, that it goes to show you that they can get it absolutely right. They can get it absolutely wrong. That's that's the nature of playoff football is all it takes is one game. If you have a – if you put it all together or if you have something that just goes wrong. I mean, look, we talked about Grayson. It can it can end for you just like that. Um, Really a kind of a weird game in which anything that uh, could go wrong did go wrong for Buford. Right. A high snap sails over McLaughlin's head. Loose ball uh, kind of puts the Wolves in a deep hole. And, and then a block punt, I think, for a safety. And then, uh, yeah, it looks yeah. like a, a safety. And so Bainbridge takes a 16-0 lead after the first quarter. Buford really fights back. And that's the thing in this one. Uh, Buford had made this sort of comeback in the, in the second quarter. And I even tweeted out to my dismay. I don't really think we have to worry about Buford in this one because, <laughs> I mean, like, they shut they were you know really shut down uh, Bainbridge in the second quarter, shut them out, didn't let them score a point, and um, it's kind of like Buford's going to climb back into this one. They the almost second did. half kickoff. Bainbridge returns it for a touchdown. Right. So then you're like, oh wow, this is actually this is serious. You know, this is you know like those <laughs> momentum swings like that now. For a game I wasn't able to see in person, you know, just reading the game story, who knows what the breakdowns were right. there, but something broke down, and now Buford has to do what it has, what it's done once this season, maybe twice, with the exception of Archer. Right. It has to come from behind now and win right. a game in the second half. You just never really got that feeling from Buford that you know people were looking ahead or that there was some cockiness there. That, yeah, I mean that was. Uh, you know, they were overlooking things. It seemed like John Ford and his group and had everyone focused. Yeah, and, and you know, you talked about not being challenged. I mean, that that may be a little bit of a function of the region they played in because their non-region schedule was really stout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, the I mean, last they, game they finished region or non-region play against right. Archer. I Archer. Mean, I mean, you played Archer. You played uh, the team from uh, Deerfield. Deerfield uh, from Florida. Beach, they yeah. played Tucker. Well, yeah, Tucker wound up getting uh, was still a, a playoff team in six A. Um, even though it wasn't maybe their Tucker's best team, but still, uh, you know, so they, they, Buford tends to challenge itself every year anyway. So that, that shouldn't have been an issue and it did, didn't seem like it was going to be an issue, but, um, you know, there was some sort of issue, obviously. Well, we'll kind of find out, um, a over 200 yard game for Darian Brown in this one, right. who is going to be hard to beat for, I think, offensive player of the yeah. year for us. Yeah, I, I did that. Something you have to go back and look, but yeah, it's it's hard to imagine. Um, got a couple guys from Parkview, maybe, or or um, you know Carter Peavy, depending on what happens with you know, with, or I mean, got you know Trenton Jones or or uh, or Jared Jenkins out out at uh, out of Decula. So, but uh, yeah, it, Darian Brown was was really dominant, and he's he's right now got to be the favorite. Uh, wrapping up the last game uh, was uh, North Gwinnett went down to Moultrie for a state championship rematch. Uh, the got to think that Colquitt wanted to deliver a little payback here. Yeah. They, they did <laughs> to the tune the- of forty-five to zero. 
on Friday night kind of, you know, I don't think it really necessarily takes away from what North was able to do last year because of how well they played Colquitt. I mean, Colquitt, had they won that game, scored on their very last, last possession play uh, and really had kind of done it all textbook. Like, you couldn't have scored with yeah. less time on the clock unless you wanted to pull a, you know, a mat and, and, like, run up and down the goal line and fall down into the end zone to try to kill time. But there was less than a minute left for North to score, and granted, Colquitt helped them out on that last drive, but they did. Colquitt did not leave any room for that this week. Uh, right. Really kind yeah, of dominated North Gornett in all facets. I think they, they came with, certainly with a purpose and, and sense of something to prove here. That's, it goes back to, you know, the sense I got talking with people from down there was that Colquitt, had the feeling that they kind of did it to themselves last year with those those penalties there at the end of the game and wanted to make sure, leave no, like you said, no room for doubt, and they didn't. Um, the only downside to that is you've got a quality opponent, Archer, coming down this week. Uh, can they stay focused like that again? Because a lot of times you get a, a revenge game like that, and then the next game can be a trap game. Uh, will it be? Who knows? Uh, but when you got a much, as much talent... As as Colquitt does, sometimes even those trap games don't necessarily become trap games. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, the guy you have to look out for for Colquitt is uh, running back Ty Leggett. They had a good game against Grayson uh, in the game that they beat them during the regular season. And uh, he had five touchdowns in this one and a couple of long touchdown returns of 47 and a 53. Um and if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, he's not even their leading rusher. I think they've got another rusher over a thousand yards this year. I think I think Leggett's been hurt a couple of games and is just now starting to, which is really scary. <laughs> a scary prospect. Yeah, uh, Colquitt just uh, a super sound team, kind of yeah. a classic South Georgia yeah. team where you know they don't have the glitz and glamour like a, right. a Buford or Grayson team does, but uh, with the athletes to match up and um, you know the the fact that Colquitt you know too is you know been just consistently competitive in the past few years has helped and uh you know the facilities down there are really great it's you know almost like a little junior college yeah. when you go to see that campus and the feel that they have uh but uh it'll be tough sledding for archer this week and i you know i think if <coughs> you know we had to you know the way north Gwinnett went down if we knew we know that grayson's not going to play him who's the team in the county that i want to put up against to try to beat probably archer it's yeah. probably archer just because that defense is you know, next to Grayson, probably the you know second best in the county. You can put kind of probably put North Gwinnett in that conversation too. But even North Gwinnett's defense really had trouble stopping Colquitt, yeah. uh, particularly but, when it fell behind uh, kind of in the first half too. For for what it's worth, I mean, you look at uh, the job. A lot of those guys from that la- that defense last year that held uh, uh, Colquitt, I think, without a touchdown. I think they scored all twelve of their points on on field goals. If, memory serves but a lot of those guys are back and you got a lot of the same you know personnel on the Colquitt side so does that mean anything who knows but it's certainly got to instill at least a little bit of confidence to uh in archer and going down there we'll see if that actually plays out though yeah so we'll uh we got three more games left so either way we'll have uh, our preview episode on thursday afternoon like we always do we'll recap the action on monday and then We'll find out if we've got football the next week. Right. Uh, you know, we're covering Gwinnett County teams here, so if we don't have a Gwinnett team in the fight, uh, we might start talking basketball. We're probably <laughs> going to start talking basketball, which is long overdue because basketball season is uh, well underway here. 
And, Seen some uh, good games already too. Yeah, and some some of our local teams playing each other now, and we're you know our coverage is really start about to start picking up with that too, uh, just because uh, you know the football is you know pretty much wound down at this point. But uh, follow on uh, you know at GDP Sports on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook, and you can follow Dave and I individually on Twitter as well. And um, we'll have uh, our follow up stories on our three semifinalists online at GwinnettPrepSports.com, and uh, stay tuned for our preview uh, stories on Thursday afternoon and our next podcast. Thanks for listening.